Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. Before we read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I want to, we've been going through a series, you're going through the book of Judges, we're going through the book of 1 Corinthians. I entitled uh, the series in Corinthians, we've been going for a couple months, is Living Godly in an Ungodly World, because that's uh, what was happening in Corinth uh, there. And of course, our world does not value God, value God's word or God's plan, God's plan for family, for sex, for birth, many things. And then if you're in chapter 2 and chapter 3, uh, right, right there, we're going to read in chapter 3 here in a second. But in chapter 2, you see, you may be familiar with this, three different individuals that Paul says to the church at Corinth that uh, there's no, no more than three in all of the world. You will fit in one of these categories. The first one is the natural man. And the natural man, he says there in um, in 1 Corinthians 2.14, he says, The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. Uh, and what that means just simply is the first state of mankind is the natural man. That just means the bare man, the, the man without Christ, the unsaved man. And they do simply what comes naturally. You punch me in the face, I'm going to punch you in the face. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you harder. Uh, and that's just the natural tendency of the natural man. Another more clear word would be uh, the naked man or the or woman, the person with nothing on, they're not, that doesn't have the righteousness of Christ. And when he says that in 1 Corinthians 2.14, uh, he says the, the, the things of God are foolishness to them. And they can't even perceive them or know them because they're spiritually discerned. That word discerned simply means uh, they cannot rightly appraise them. They have no value. Spiritual things have no value to the natural man. So when you talk to the natural man through your life, at work, whatever, about morality, about abortion, about homosexuality or whatever, and you have a biblical basis, well, they don't get it. In fact, it's foolishness to them. Uh, in fact, you will end up making an enemy because you're trying to teach morality to somebody who is still natural. They don't have the heart of God. They don't have the heart of Christ. God still loves them and they need to be born again, but yet in the natural state, that should make sense to us. In fact, uh, to go further go on in, in the word appraised, I got my wife a, a, a diamond ring for, uh, we saved up for it and for 25th, but I didn't take it to the mechanic in our church. Uh, to, to have him given a, a proper appraisal of that diamond ring. Why? He loves diamonds, but he's a mechanic, and he's an expert in that. He's not an expert in giving proper appraisals for uh, things of that kind of worth, nor would I. And so, so you see the point there, just the natural man does not properly appraise the Bible, the things of God. They don't appreciate the things that you appreciate. Somebody say amen. Do you understand the point? The natural man does not get it. Doesn't mean they're bad men and women. They're just the natural men. And then the other one is the uh, spiritual man. The spiritual man is led by the Spirit of God. That's what we're talking about today. And then there is the carnal man. That's the 
uh, man who's saved, but they live unnaturally. They're supposed to live by the Spirit of God, but they end up living by the flesh, just what comes naturally. And that's you and I many times, but that is the distinction. That leads us now to the judgment seat of Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, for we are laborers together with God. Uh, he says in verse 6, Paul does in chapter 3, that God gives the increase. Paul, uh, I, I have planted, Apollos is watered. God brings the increase. What does that mean, Dennis? That just simply means, doesn't it, um, that God is responsible for the results. If you will, if I could strip away pressure from you and me in your life, is that you are simply called to be faithful and carry seeds around every day of your life. You're a seed sower. Maybe you water today, maybe you sow a seed, maybe you, you, you're able to lead somebody to Christ. But it's not always just leading people to Christ. It's about sowing seeds, representing Christ, and bringing people closer to him. But doing it, not just in the, in the carnal flesh, I need, this needs to be done, but in the spirit of Christ. Because that is what gets rewarded. Um, it says, we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's buildings. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, Paul says, I have laid the foundation. Another man builds thereon. But let every man, here you go, take heed how he builds thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is our foundation. He's our only foundation. Jesus says that in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He finished up the whole Sermon on the Mount, and he says, Whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man that built his house upon the rock. What's the rock? It's Christ. It's his word. And then whoever hears these sayings of mine, just like you and I, hearing the word, and does them not, I'll liken him to a foolish man or woman who built their house upon the sand. Because when the waves come beat on the house, the winds blow, it will fall because it doesn't have a proper foundation. You've seen that. Uh, you've seen it in your own life. You've seen it in another's life. Build upon Christ. That's what Paul's comparing Scripture with Scripture here. He says that Christ is uh, the foundation of the church, but of faith. Now, if any man built upon this foundation, he talks about gold, silver, precious stones. Those are... Uh, really uncorruptible materials. They don't easily tarnish, break down, uh, or get destroyed. Wood, hay, and stubble. By the way, uh, one uh, lasts through the fire. The other uh, gets burnt up or is fuel for fire. And uh, so he says, now if any man built upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, now every man's work shall be made manifest or laid bare. For the day, he's speaking of the judgment seat of Christ. This is important to you. Uh, first off, if you, we're going to talk about two judgments just quickly. The judgment seat of uh, the great white throne judgment, judgment seat of Christ. If you're not a Christian here today, do not know Jesus Christ, you're still in the natural state. The Bible says you are still under the wrath of God. Uh, it's a very heavy statement. But if you have been relieved by the grace of God, uh, from the wrath of God, you still will go through an examination. Now, don't mistake this. I never want to confuse this. And I know Dennis doesn't want me to confuse this. Your sins are under the blood. But God does weigh your good and your bad in order to mete out rewards. Uh, and it's very clear in Scripture. Uh, you can't miss this. 
but it will be made manifest. And if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. We certainly believe the grace of God, and you can't lose your salvation. Here's another proof text. If any man's work shall be burned, he will suffer loss. But, praise God, he himself shall be saved, yet so as through the fire. Um, there's at least six books that will be opened at the judgment seat of Christ, the Lamb's Book of Life. The Book of the Living, you can look these up later, Book of Tears, the Book of Deeds, Book of Remembrance, and the Almighty that you hold in your hand or on your phone, your tablet this morning, the Word of God will be opened and we will be judged out of those books. These books tell the absolute truth about our lives. They reveal our motives, our doctrine, doctrine matters. Um, did we read it? Did we follow it? Did we uh, labor over it? Did we love it? Uh, our works, our stewardship, our service, our accountability, and our sanctification. All of these will be scrutinized by Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I know many, this makes you feel uncomfortable. And by the way, it should. It should make you feel uncomfortable as a Christian. You're saved by grace, you're on your way to heaven. And if I could put it this way, heaven's going to be a million times better than the worst, I mean, the best part of, of, of earth. But, uh, let me, you know, probably just to get a little bit of where I'm, I'm, you don't need to turn there. You remember who said in John 15, uh, 5, he says, abide in him, let his word abide in you. He says, without me, you can do nothing. Uh, John, uh, the, in the epistle right there, uh, one of the sons of thunder, James and John, said that. He said, and of course, it's, it's Jesus' words. Jesus says, if you abide in me, let my words abide in you. You can ask whatever you will. Without me, you can do nothing. He says the same thing pretty much in 1 John 2.28. You don't need to turn there. But he says, now, little children, abide in him. And he says, why? So that we may have confidence in him and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Uh, and that word ashamed means to be disgraced. Ashamed that I wasted my life chasing a dollar. I wasted my life chasing, we need dollars. We need houses, we need cars. In fact, Ecclesiastes says, the gift of God for man to enjoy the fruit of his labor. But you love dollars more than you love God. You love pleasures more than you love God. And when we stand before God, there's going to be a lot of shame. And we need to keep that in our mind. That, that uh, when he appears, that we may have confidence. Not self-confidence, but confidence that we... we it simply means confidence means boldness. Let us therefore come boldly. Why? Because of his grace. We stand before him. Man, I was a sinner. I messed up all the time, but I kept getting it right. And I kept coming back. Anybody say amen to that? I mean, that's it. That's the, that's the key uh, of the Christian life. So some records, and then we're going to jump right into this, that God keeps that you need to be aware of, the works of all people, good and bad, the number and the names of the stars. Uh, Psalm 147 says that's a, that's, a, that's a big thing right there. He calls them all by name. The psalmist says, scientists say that for every grain of sand on the planet, there's a thousand stars in the observable universe. Amazing. The very hairs of our head. Uh, why bring that up? God is into details. He cares about the details. You just look a little bit further. The physical features of every person talks that, about that. That's, a, I believe, a proof text against abortion in Psalm 139. 
Every idle word, every good work, investments made in God's kingdom, those who fear God. And listen to this. We won't turn there again time. This could really obviously, Dennis preached this four or five weeks. Uh, but Matthew 10, 42, you might remember Jesus' words. He says that even a cup of cold water given in the name of a disciple has a reward. What? Really? That has a reward? He cares even about that? You remember the, the very sparrow he sees fall? When you take that in the aggregate of all of Scripture, what we're seeing is God sees all, he knows all, and he's keeping records of all of this. And he cares about the details. Um, I hope a little bit, and I know you've got a steady preacher here who loves God, loves, loves his word, but, but there's a whole lot here always to be preached, but we need to hear this kind of stuff. We, our, our ears need to be in tune, and we need to be convicted and changed and, and open our eyes, realize that this life, like uh, Psalm 91 says, by reason of strength is max 80 years, but then you're going to live eternity somewhere either in hell, separated from God for all eternity, just simply because you chose to stay the natural man, or you believed in Christ, you trusted in Christ, you needed Christ as you do, and you received him. Two main judgments. The first one's the great white throne judgment, which you're probably familiar with. And Revelation talks about this. This is where sinners will be judged by their sinful works. Now you'd say, well, aren't we all sinners? If you are saved today, you've been born again, you are a saint, by definition, that sins. That's the definition of a Christian. You are a saint. Uh, you don't come into condemnation, Romans chapter 8, but you still do sin. But sinners are those who are still under condemnation, still under the wrath of God. And we see a picture of this. By the way, one day uh, from your preacher here, from me, and every word you've ever heard is going to come back, flooding back into your mind, man, I wish I would have responded to that. That's God's holy word. It was given to us as a record, uh, future, the prophecy in advance so we would live it. Um, and I saw a great white throne, him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. There was found no fit, a place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great. That's kings, princes. Everyone who's ever walked the face of the earth uh, stand before God and the books were open. By the way, Christians will not be at this judgment. This is the judgment for those who are lost uh, never born again. Uh, and I saw another book open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. Uh, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Those who died in the Korean War, World War II, World War I, Civil War, Revolutionary War, every war and their bodies long decayed. Uh, he's going to, um, on a molecular, atomic level, bring their bodies back together for judgment. Uh, the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Why are they judged according to their works? Well, because they do not know Jesus Christ. They've never received the only payment that was ever enough for your sin and my sin. Amen, church? Amen. The only thing that could ever buy your redemption and salvation should cause you to be grateful, should cause you to be thankful every day of your life and motivate you to share the love of Christ. And death and hell. One day there'll be no more death, and there'll be no more hell or Sheol to be cast in the lake of fire, which is the second death. You've heard it said, I'm sure, if you're born once, you'll die twice. If you're born twice or you're born again, you only die once. And whosoever is not found written, the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. The question you need to answer is, first off, how do I get into the book of life? 
you trust Christ, put your faith in Christ, believe that he is enough for salvation and uh, is your name in the book of life. Number two, the judgment seat of Christ. These are the two main judgments in all of the Bible. This is where saints will be rewarded from our text or suffer loss for their works. This is by a little history here, the elevated judgment similar to where Pilate sat uh, and did Festus and Agrippa and Felix. And Christ will be the judge and he will evaluate, as we've already said, our fruits, our faithfulness. Catch that now. Our faithfulness, our obedience. And at this judgment, every Christian will either qualify for the kingdom or they will not. I believe, biblically, all will enter the kingdom, the millennial kingdom, but not all will inherit the kingdom. It's pretty clear in Scripture. Don't have time to do it all this morning, but 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Listen now, listen closely, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according that he's done, whether it be good or bad. See, now he's not talking about the unsaved now, the natural man. He's talking about the spiritual man, or if you will, the carnal man, the saved man, will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Don't ever let this thought escape you in verse 11. I'm not trying to be hard uh, this morning, but this is God's truth. He says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Well, wait a minute. There's some terror of the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ? That word terror, uh, it, it's, it means to, uh, like you think of, to, to uh, that was a terrible sight. You look at the Grand Canyon. It was, it was amazing, and I was awe-inspired. If you study the Bible and you see Daniel and Ezekiel and you see uh, John who wrote the book of Revelation and all these uh, great prophets and men, whenever they were able to get a glimpse of the throne room of God, you remember what they said? Woe is me, for I am undone. And they're thrown down because they knew, even though they're righteous men and women, their sinfulness, and they were humbled. And that is a terrible sight. Why? Because now dignitaries impress us and this and that. We're talking about the very one who, by him, Colossians 1, all things consist. All atoms and, and uh, uh, just a, a quick fact, you're made of 100 trillion cells, all right? And that's no small thing, 100 trillion cells. For every cell in your body, there's 100 trillion atoms. And for every atom, if you believe in string theory, they say there's 100 trillion strings or vibrating strings, which they believe the smallest mathematics breaks down at that level. But uh, uh, so on the very base level, it's a quantum foam uh, or a vibrating string. The difference in size from an atom to that vibrating string now, this is not Christians saying this. These are scientists in our world say the difference in size of that, if the atom were blown up the size of the observable universe, uh, the uh, vibrating string would be the size of a small tree. Think about the scale, and guess what? Guess who holds all that in balance? You don't give God credit enough for how amazing he is. You just pray for an extra hundred bucks on your paycheck. You pray that your gas, that the angels will push you a little bit further so you can make it on down the road. But God is holding Colossians 1. He says, by him were all things made. That's Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, that's a wonderful thought, a powerful thought. He says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That's why if you feel like your preacher and me or, or any other preacher you hear is trying to persuade you of something, we are because we believe the word of God. And if it's true, it's going to be a terrible, awesome thing when we stand before God. 
And we like to talk of his grace and mercy and his forgiveness. Amen. We have that. But we have a chance now to really live it with our heart intact. Amen. And really give our lives for the, the cause of Christ. That word terror is phobos. What does that sound like? <laughs> Phobia, right? Fear. Um, it's the fear of God that persuades us. <clears throat> Some questions the Lord might ask. Actually, Romans 14, 9, but why do you judge your brother? Why do you set it not your brother? For we shall all stand the judgment seat of Christ. That's a, why, did, why did Paul say that to the church at Rome? He's saying, listen, you're getting in too many other people's business. Instead of seeds in your pocket, you, a pocket full of seeds, you have a pocket full of rocks. And you're constantly wanting to throw these at people and other people and put those down and realize that we're supposed to restore brothers and sisters, encourage brothers and sisters. And yes, we need to call sin, sin. But listen, stop getting everybody else's business and worry about you. Worry about what you're trying to do. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account. Some questions the Lord might ask. Did we love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, and others? We see that in Deuteronomy 6. We see Jesus repeating that very statement. So that's a question that you might be asked at the judgment seat of Christ. By the way, if you're not saved today, you won't be at this judgment. You'll be cast out. Uh, you'll be still held accountable for your sins. The reason why, and this is, again, I, I don't want this to be missed by anyone who's a Christian. reason why any bad might come up, it's under the blood. You'll not have a penalty for your sins, but in order to properly scrutinize your good and bad. I've often believed, Dennis and Dad, I think this is where a lot of people, Roman Catholic Church and others, get off that if your good works outweigh your bad, you'll be saved. Well, it doesn't have to do with salvation. It has to do with sanctification. It has to do with rewards because it is in, in the Bible. And you look at the parables, you see that over and over. Everybody got that? Uh, so, so don't miss that. Uh, did we walk by the Spirit? Did we show forth His life, His love, His wisdom, His power? Raise your hand if you ever get tired. So what gets you through when you get tired? What should be for the Christians, God, give me strength. Give me power. I'm overwhelmed. I'm, 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 I'm underfunded. God, you give me your strength. And whether you're saying the words or not, it's either you're relying on your power or the Holy Spirit's power. And if you don't even know what that is and you're a Christian, listen, get with your pastor. Get with your pastor's wife. Get with other Christians and abide in Christ. Manifest the fruits of the Spirit. Well, none of us are perfect. Remember, we're saints who sin. But that is, that is what we're going to be scrutinized by. Gold, silver, and precious stone are not just, you know, somebody wrote a book years ago. If you just go out soul winning and if you'll just invite people to church and if you just say good things and if you just help um, uh, the needy and if you just do this, you're going to have rewards in heaven. See, any of that can be done in the flesh. It's not just works. It's the heart that's attached to works. That matters. That's gold, silver, and precious stone because the other can just be done, you know, because ah, it's needed, it's a duty, it's my responsibility. Listen, moms, your children need to see that you walk in the Spirit. Dads, your wife needs to see that you walk in the Spirit. God wants to see that we're relying on His power and His Spirit. And uh, that's the spiritual man. I go on and on about that. I want to give you real quick um, five quick um, crowns or rewards that, uh, and these, this is not new information, but this is what will be given out partly at the judgment seat of Christ, specific rewards and crowns promised to those who are faithful. 
First one is the crown of life. And it's called the martyr's crown many times, but you don't just have to lose your life in service for the Lord or be killed, but many are. I, I tell our church every week, uh, pray for the persecuted Christians all around the world. You may or may not know this, 100,000 Christians are brutally killed every year around the world for their faith. 100,000. The worst is North Korea. Uh, and then all the Muslim states in the Middle East. 100,000. Now that's it doesn't seem like a lot until you realize that's one of your family, somebody you love. And why are they killed? Just simply because they love Jesus Christ. Just simply because they love God's word. Or they might go to church, just like you did today. That's illegal in China. That's illegal in North Korea. That's illegal in many Muslim countries. You might have known that, you might not have. Uh, but this is a crown, not just for martyrs, but those who suffer for Jesus' sake. I believe even uh, suffer harm or, or verbal harm or maybe even a little physical harm. He, he gives us the verse here, James 1.12, blesses the man that endures temptation. To endure means to stay under. Temptation means testing. Affliction could be death. For when he is tried and continues to stand fast, continues to stay under it, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised them that love him. I look at my father-in-law, and I don't mean to embarrass him, but he's gone through cancer five, six times. But guess what? When I came in here a little bit late this morning for Sunday school, guess who is still up here teaching this morning, Sunday school? A godly, faithful man who's been faithful all these years, and a lovely wife who stood by his side. And you've seen that not happen many times. I believe this is what that's speaking about. Yes, people who give their lives, it's all around the world, but then people like you, like me, who go through uh, temptation or testing, afflictions, hard times. Raise your hand, you go through hard times. We want to throw in the towel. We want to give up. We say, God, take us home. But he said, no, it's not yet. And that's the psalmist. How long, O Lord? How long? But he says, listen, stay in there. Realize that one day you're going to eyeball to eyeball with Jesus Christ. And then you'll have boldness, not, not self-righteousness, not boldness in our flesh, but hey, I took to heart what the word said. And I, I, I realize that there's power in Christ. He should receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. He also said that to the church of Smyrna, these seven churches, uh, fear none of those things, is Revelation 2, 9, none of those things which thou shalt suffer, suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison, you may be tried, you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. These are real crowns. And guess what? You can win it. And you don't have to die for it. Called to die? Well, I mean, that's tough. That takes a whole other level of grace and strength. And we can't even put that in our mind, you know, how we live right now, to die for our faith. I don't even like somebody to cut me off and say, oh, you Christian. You know, we don't like that. But to die for your faith? But he's talking right here, just even live for your faith. Um, go through temptation, hard time, and still love God. Uh, lose a child. Uh, have a, uh, a miscarriage and still love God. Um, go through financial turmoil. Go through constant affliction. Um, just here lately in the last six months, I built a shop, put a lot of my tools in there, and it's been broke into. We had camp this last week. We're serving God, and uh, I get a call from my neighbor 5 o'clock in the morning, and I got broke into again. Now, your tendency is, oh, poor me. Look at what I lost. And, you know, why me, God? What's the deal? I'm serving you, blah, blah, blah. You know, you know what I mean? That's such a small thing. But what I'm trying to say is our flesh wants to whine and bellyache. 
But the Spirit's saying, I'm just going to trust you, God. You know what you're doing. I believe God himself could just want you know, put those people in dust like they never existed. You know, anything. Send some dog, stray dog, somebody to come and uh, wake them up. As a, but you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're going to go through much affliction. That's what Jesus says, what Paul says. You will enter the kingdom of God through much affliction. Uh, but be faithful. Number two is a crown of righteousness. That's for loving and looking for Christ's return. You're not going to love and look and long for Christ's return if you don't love Jesus Christ. You say, how do you love him? How do you learn to love? You know, we're, we're taught to love uh, God, uh, encouraged to teach our children and others to love God. How do you do that? Uh, and then Jesus says the same thing. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Deuteronomy 6 also teach Israel uh, to teach their children to love God. How does that happen? Well, what I do know about love, you've got to spend time with the one you love. Love is spelled T-I-M-E, and you've got to, you've got to give uh, of some time, and you've got to give some effort, uh, and you've got to sacrifice for love. Amen? Um, this crown is not for those who depend upon their own self-righteousness or their own self-work. This crown will not be rewarded to the arrogant and to the prideful, to the self-righteous, to the stubborn, to the fleshly, to the self-willed. Paul says to Timothy about this crown, watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. Endure afflictions. Hardness. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered. Time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight, he says. I, I did my best is what he's saying. But he says, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. You might not believe that's a literal crown. Myself and hundreds and millions of others believe that's a real crown. That can be earned. You say, well, was it wrong to try to strive for uh, crowns? Well, I don't think it's wrong at all. In fact, I think it's godly. I think it's motivating. But not... Again, to say, hey, look at what I got, but so that you can now praise God even further, like the saints in Revelation casting your crowns at his feet. But it starts with faithfulness, doesn't it? Not a self-righteousness, not a prideful, man, I got more, I'm getting more. No, not at all. He says, henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, what's that? The judgment seat of Christ will give me, and not to me only, wasn't just for Paul, but to all them that love his appearing. You know, you show and long more for the Lord's appearing the more you pray, the more you fast, the more you pray for others, the more you attend church, you hunger. That's what Jesus says. He says one of the only things that will fill you spiritually up, your tank, if you ever feel spiritually drained, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness, right living uh, will be filled. We try to fill up our gas tank with everything else. And by the way, you need to get away. You need a vacation. You need a boat. And you need to take your preacher on it. Uh, anyhow, we need those things. Those are gifts of God. It's a wonderful thing. But listen, it will not fill your spiritual gas tank. Amen? It won't. Number three, a crown of glory. This is for the faithful minister. I don't just believe the, uh, the faithful elder or preacher or pastor. I believe the faithful minister. But those who do take up responsibility for others. The elders which are among you, I exhort. That just means, it's a synonymous, pastor, uh, elder, bishop. Uh, many churches say, well, why don't you have uh, 
uh, elders? Well, because we have pastors, and they mean the same thing. And that's biblical. And a, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God. Verse 3, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd, because any preacher, any minister is just an under-shepherd, he is the chief shepherd, the foundation shall appear, talking about judgment, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. It's a special, it's a special crown for those who faithfully labored in the word of God. Uh, you never, you know, dad again up here, mom, they've never retired, even though they're not shepherding a church, they're still engaged. Many of you who teach classes and, and teach others and don't dispel children's church and you're, you're teaching people, you're taking responsibility for others. I mean, I really believe that. Number four, the incorruptible crown for those who press on faithfully. Are you seeing a theme here? Most of these have to do with good and faithful. Good is your character. Faithful is your consistency, not popular and prestigious, not wealthy and wonderful, good and faithful. I'll tell you the best thing you can be is just consistent. Be faithful, be steady, be there for your wife, for your husband, for your kids, for your grandkids, for your God, all through life, just simply being filled with the Spirit. When you don't want to, relying on the Spirit of God, incorruptible crown for those who press on faith. Know ye not that they which run, uh, run um, know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize, so run that you may obtain. Sounds like he's encouraging us to run, right? Uh, and every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. In other words, if you're going to run a marathon, you need to prepare for the marathon. Don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to run a marathon today. Some of you could do that. Most of us could not. Um, so you prepare yourself. That's what he's talking about spiritually, preparing. Now they do it to, uh, to obtain a corruptible crown. Just a, at his time, just a, a fig leaf uh, crown or some kind of medallion. But he says, we an incorruptible crown, gold, silver, and precious stone. This is important for Christians to not miss in your Christian life. It's not just, hey, yeah, everybody do your own thing. Let's go. I might do this. I might do that. No, you need to take some real serious uh, evaluation of your Christian walk, of your words, of your heart, of how you handle adversity, how you handle uh, ministry and your stewardship, time, talent, and treasure, you name it, the whole, the whole shebang. Uh, but I keep under my body, bring it into subjection, lest by any means, listen to this word when I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Maybe you've seen that word, maybe you haven't. That word castaway means reprobate. It means unrewarded or unqualified. Paul says, I'm a minister, I'm a preacher. He's responsible for us in our hand, 13 and 14 books of the New Testament. He says that I uh, know the terror of the Lord and I want to be faithful to a certain place that even when I preach to others and I'm a preacher of the gospel and a missionary, that I don't become a reprobate and I don't become unqualified for rewards. That's exactly what he's saying. So if Paul is encouraging himself to, to scrutinize his own life about losing rewards, it's the same thing for you. I didn't come here, I came, did come here to try to encourage this body, but I think when we hear truth, it should encourage us, amen? That listen, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And that's really where uh, this message is. It's just live your life by the Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ. Uh, 
and you've got all the tools here in this body to do that. Last one, and we'll close, crown of rejoicing. This is for those who win souls to Jesus Christ. It's not the only crown, but it is a crown. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Proverbs eleven twenty nine: 29, the fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. He that wins souls is wise. John 2, 28, now little children, as we said, abide in him that when he shall appear in the rapture, we may have confidence or boldness and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Let me ask you a question. We believe the imminent return of Christ just simply means he could come at any minute. Third temple go up, Antichrist will defile the temple halfway through. That's a tribulation period. We believe that to be a fact. If Christ were to come back today or tomorrow, as you're living your life now, would you able to have not self-righteousness and self-boldness, but boldness is, uh, Lord, I was trying. You understand the difference? I was trying. Or be ashamed that, eh, I just live in life and did what comes naturally. So you're either here today and you are in the natural state, you've never been born again, or you are the carnal man uh, who is saved but lives just what comes naturally. You, you don't consider the things of God or you rarely do it or you only do it on Sunday or maybe when you happen to open the word. And that's not a judgment on you. That's just normal in this existence. So you're the natural man, you're the carnal man, or you're the spiritual man who strives every moment to walk away from the flesh and be led of the spirit and yield uh, to the power of God. A little quick uh, story as we close. You've probably heard of this. Dad, you've probably heard of the Winchester Mansion in San Jose. Anybody ever heard of that? Winchester Mansion, never heard of it. I just found that. And this is one Christian's article, and I really liked it months back, so I thought I'd weave it in here about the Winchester Mansion. Thousands of people each year visit the Winchester Mansion in San Jose, California. And this massive structure was built by Sarah Winchester, uh, the widow of the gun company owner. So for 38 years from 1884 until her death in 1922, the house was under constant construction. Teams of carpenters, masons, and other workers were employed around the clock. Various stories have been told about the reason for this unusual practice. Most center on Mrs. Winchester's belief that she was either haunted, or the house was either haunted or herself, or would be haunted by the ghost, uh, by those who killed her husband's, uh, were killed by her husband's weapons unless she kept building the house. So on she kept building. Um, so it's just amazing. Others, others claim that she would not die as long as she, the building continued, so it extended her days which by the way, none were true. <laughs> Whatever the reason, she continued ordering more renovations and construction as long as she lived. This blew me away. Um, there are more than 10,000 windows in the Winchester mansion. And I counted, I don't think there's that many, but uh, <laughs> 10,000 windows in the Winchester mansion. Doorways, listen to this, doorways and stairs that lead to blank walls and some 160 rooms in total. It's estimated that she spent more than $70 million in today's money 
on a pointless construction project. And this author said this, in a desperate search for peace that was ultimately doomed to fail. The author goes on, many people today are seeking peace through equally fruitless means. They turn to pleasure, drugs, alcohol, immorality, wealth, and other dead avenues. Like the staircases that lead to nowhere in Winchester's mansion, pursuing such paths will never bring you peace. Instead, we find peace when we follow the path that God has given us in his word. Those who keep the law of God in their hearts, obey it, and their actions will add peace to their lives. Rather than seeking peace as an end, we, will seek, we should seek and follow Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. When we do, we will find that peace comes as a side effect that we receive from him. Close with the scripture. You probably know it, probably could quote it. Jesus says himself in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all you that are laboring and are heavy laden. Raise, that, raise your hand if that's you. I'm laboring, I'm out. Man, it gets heavy. Come unto me. It's a promise. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest to your souls. That word souls is, means psyche. It means your mind, your will, your heart, your consciousness. It'll ease your mind. When you have Christ as the foundation, you'll bring peace and manifest love and joy and the rest of the fruits of the Spirit. Listen, friend, as we close today, I'll just remind you as we started, you're either part of the natural group. It doesn't make you a bad person, but it makes you an unsaved person. It means that you are under judgment of God. It's not a mean thing. That's an act of love to even hear that truth. You are under the wrath of God. You have the wrath of God abiding on you. And you will one day be cast away from the presence of God into the lake of fire for all eternity. That's the natural man. Listen, if you're saved, you know people who are still in the natural state. Why would we talk to them about everything under the sun? Nothing wrong with talking about the Seattle Seahawks and life and fishing. We do that all the time. But why would we not somehow be moved in our spirit to at least pray to be able to have an open door to talk to people about their soul. And you say, I don't even know what to say. That's fine. Give them a track. Show them love. Do something. Because if you believe at all the Bible, people, uh, listen, uh, eternity is going to come fast. And they need Christ. So they're in their natural state. And then there's the carnal man. That's the men and women who should be living by the Spirit of God. I would say that's me sometimes, and that's you sometimes. Uh, we, we just go with our gut instead of go with the Spirit, go with the Word. But then there's a spiritual man, and that's the one who will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ uh, with the proper foundation of Christ, but gold, silver, and precious stone. Why don't you bow your heads and just get along with the Lord. Let's do some time of reflection. I'm going to turn over to your pastor here in just a second. I don't believe you have to have a specific date and time where you put your faith and trust in Christ. But if you don't remember an event of you saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. You're the Savior. I believe you died, buried, and rose again for my salvation. I put my faith and trust in you. If you don't remember doing that, 
Bible says, very clear, you're the natural man. And maybe you're just struggling constantly with pressure, temptation, adversity, and you just, you feel beat down and overcome. See, what's supposed to happen, you're supposed to be empowered by the people of God, the Word of God, the Spirit of God. That's what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to be recharged in the spirit of your mind daily, die to the flesh. That's what's supposed to happen, and not be the carnal man. Just live by the appetites of the flesh. Realize all this is one day going to burn up. Maybe you just in your own heart say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for living callously. I'm sorry for living lazily. I'm sorry for not taking seriously your word. I believe that one day I'll stand before Jesus Christ, be judged either for my sins, be judged for my works. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.